This is part two of a two-part series where I give my personal draft grades from last week's 2023 NBA draft. Stay tuned to find out because there are a lot of surprises after the lottery. So stay tuned to find out my draft grades for picks 15 through 30. Big shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And I am back in Dallas after a long week in New York City. It was an excellent week. I mean, it was one of the best weeks of my life. I brought my, my wife, my son, had my 13-year-old niece with me. I was trying to juggle between making sure that they had a good time and sightseeing and getting different experiences in, in New York, like riding the subway, going to a Yankees game, and then getting all my draft stuff done, my articles, talking to the parents and agents and players. I mean, it, it was just an amazing experience that um, I will always remember. All right, let's, let's just get into this episode. Picks 15 through 30, I'm going to give my personal draft opinions. And the 15th pick was the Atlanta Hawks. And the Atlanta Hawks selected Kobe Bufkin. And I'm going to give this a C. I'm giving this a C because similar to, you could say, Casey Wallace with the Thunder and Taylor Hendricks with the Jazz, I don't know a clear path for Bufkin to earn a lot of minutes as a rookie. And I know he wasn't a lottery pick. He just liked to right outside of the lottery. Goes to a team that is, I mean, like they were just in the conference finals a couple years ago. They have established stars at his position, guys that have been in all-star games that are not even in their prime yet. And the Hawks are just in a weird predicament. I mean, they just dumped John Collins for a little bit of nothing, which is going gonna, is gonna to free up time for Okongu and, and maybe um, the Johnson kid from Duke, Jalen Johnson, who I think is really good. But then you, you just look like at last year, A.J. Griffin, he played some, but I mean, he can really help them. Bogdan Bogdanovich just got paid. So I don't know if there's like a clear cut path to like playing time for Bufkin, which could be a little bit disappointing, but he is accustomed to exceeding expectations, similar to his teammate Jed Howard, who went a few picks, like four picks ahead of him. Bufkin was like a seldom used freshman last season, only averaged like three points per game. And then this past season turned into an all big 10 selection and was one of the better players in the country and we can make the case to say he was michigan's best player in the in the second half of the season now atlanta is pretty active in trade talks and from what i've been hearing and i mean probably hearing them from the same places you're hearing is that atlanta could move to murray they could be in for some big changes so maybe some time does open up for buffkin but as constructed the way the roster is right now I don't know if he's going to have a, a clear-cut path to a lot of playing time. But I'm giving that a C. But it could change. All right, the Utah Jazz, the number 16, selected Keontae George. And I'm giving this pick an A. I thought Keontae had a, uh, a freshman season that could be divided into two. And I, I just keep going back to it. Right before he sprained his ankle, he was playing his best basketball Two games against Kansas State and Kansas. He was 11 of 20 from three, combined for 43 points, and I thought he was trending in the right direction. And then sprained his ankle and just 
was not the same. Actually, over the last four games after spraining his ankle, he was 9 for 39. That played a role in his, his um, efficiency numbers, like not being good. Only shot like 37% from the floor. But I like Keontae as a, a shot maker, a guy that can get his own shot. He can pull up off the dribble, elevate. I think he has NBA range. I think he's better than the numbers indicate. And I thought this was a good choice by the Jazz, a team that needed help in, in the backcourt. And they didn't have a lot of guys that can create their own offense. And Keontae is a guy that can do that. And you have to love, like, the Jazz's future. They had a great coach in Will Hardy. They exceeded expectations last year. So I'm giving this pick by the Utah Jazz an A. All right, at number 17 is the Los Angeles Lakers. And they selected Jalen Hood Shafino. I like Hood Shafino. And I was torn between, all right, what are the Lakers going to do here? Are they going to trade this pick? Are they going to draft someone that complements LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Meaning, are they going to target a, a floor spacer, a guy that can shoot and defend? And it looks like, to me, the Lakers went with more long-term than immediate help. Although Hood Shafino could possibly provide some immediate help. He's a 6'6 point guard. Can see over the top of defenders. Is really good at at like attacking drop coverages and he can shoot off the dribble he's a good shooter off the dribble actually shot 38 percent from three off the dribble but here's the problem with lakers he's probably not going to have the ball in his hands a lot he's not going to really initiate the offense much if he's on the floor of lebron and one of his biggest weaknesses is shooting off the catch only shot 31% on jumpers off the catch this season. So that's something that he'll need to prove. So I don't know how much he'll be able to help the Lakers right away this season if he doesn't improve as a shooter. So I'm giving it a C, but I think long-term it can be an A because he could be the Lakers point guard of the future. All right, at number 18, this is one of the biggest surprises for me. I was... I was shocked <laughs> that Miami went with Jaime Jaquez at number 18. I like Jaquez. I, again, I was just shocked. He's tough, kind of has like the heat culture in him, tough, competitive. You know, you could say he's an underdog even though he's an 18th pick. He's someone that people have been doubting for years because his game can't necessarily be categorized as like a shooter or like an athlete or, or whatever, even though he tested really well at the combine. So he, he does have a chip on his shoulder. He plays hard. I'm going to give this a C because he is not a really good three-point shooter. I know one of his years in college, I want to say maybe it was his sophomore year, he was pretty efficient from deep, but the numbers have went down since then. Some of it could be related to he had an ankle injury. Some of it could be related to he had to do more as far as creating his own shot as far as threes. But I think that it's a, it's a Miami Heat type pick even though I'm still surprised by it. I have my concerns about how his game translates to the NBA, but I heard he like dominated the pre-draft circuit, which the workout circuit, which I'm not surprised because he's got moves on top of moves and craftiness. And that stuff is going to stand out, in my opinion, in two-on-two, three-on-three, or one-on-one type workouts. But he, he has game in the five-on-five setting. But I have my concerns about his overall fit, how it translates. So I'm going to give this a C for the Miami Heat. But... I've learned, man, it's hard to, um, you know, it's tough to, to disagree with what Miami has done. All right at number 19, it is the Golden State Warriors, and they selected a guy that I didn't have going this high, Brandon Pajemski. And he was the biggest surprise in college basketball this season. He was a seldom-used freshman at Illinois, if I'm not mistaken. 
He only played like 69 minutes as a freshman. I've heard different stories about why it didn't work out at Illinois, but either way, Illinois, you made a big mistake. You had a guy on the bench that ended up being the number 19 pick in the draft. I give this a C because Pajemski's very unlikely to be able to help right away. And the reason I say that is it's not because of him or my concerns about his game. It's that there can't be a lot of minutes behind Steph Curry and Chris Paul. Like if Chris Paul wasn't there, then I'd say, all right, he, he's going to play. He's, he's going to be in their, their, at least in a regular season, their, their eight to nine man rotation. Now I have no idea how they're going to fit time for him with Curry and Chris Paul. And he may end up having to spend time in, in the G League. I'm not sure. But on one hand, if you're Pajemski, I mean, who better to learn from than Chris Paul and Steph Curry? But overall, I'm giving this a C. All right, when we return, I'll talk about picks 20 through 24, but I want to talk to you about eBay Motors. And I actually need to check out eBay Motors myself because I, I live in Dallas. I got back, and it has been over 100 degrees the last few days. And I went to a Mavericks press conference yesterday, and I live about 30 minutes from um, the Mavericks practice facility. And my AC was just not blowing out cold air. So I need to get that checked. I need to figure out what's wrong because I need my AC to be freezing. I need it to be frigid. Kind of like if you've ever been to the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, how cold it is in the Thomas and & Mack and the Cox Pavilion during the Summer League. I mean, it's cold. You got to literally wear a sweatshirt. I want my car to feel like that when I'm driving. So I'm going to have to check out eBay and see what parts they have because... It's like building a championship team. You need to make sure that every player is the right fit on a championship team. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. You need to make sure that every part fits just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, you got to head to eBay Motors because they have a guaranteed fit, which you can be sure that every part you get, it fits right the first time around. All you have to do is go to, to, the, go to the My Garage section look for the green check to know how your part will fit or you will get your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game and when you shop on ebay motors and there are 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed so get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com Let's ride. And the eBay Guarantee Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions apply. Big shout out to each and every person that's made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in the next episode, I'm pretty sure we're going to cover the 2023 NBA Draft and, and Summer League. This has been... I mean, we're almost at the finish line. We're almost at the finish line. This has been... A, a great year, I think, for draft coverage for myself and Richard Stamen and Leaf Tuline and Locked On as a whole. And we are almost at the finish line, and I've already started on 2024. So stay tuned for the next episode to get some more draft takes from last week's draft and next week's or next, the upcoming NBA Summer League. Getting my days all mixed up. All right, let's get back to my draft grades. At number 20 is the Houston Rockets. And Houston gets an A plus for selecting Cam Whitmore. I've heard the reasons why he fell. I, I mean, so many different stories. I've heard that you know his medicals were bad. He saves the knee, even though it was like his tibula that he broke or fibula that he broke. 
what is a tibia? Is it a tibia? Anyway, fibula that, that he broke in high school. I've heard that his thumb hadn't healed, which I don't think the thumb would make you drop as far as he fell. I've heard it was he didn't shoot the ball well. His workouts weren't good. I heard so many different things. Can't confirm. Only thing I can confirm is that his draft stock tumbled. Like, I mean, he plummeted to 20. This was a guy that I thought could possibly, possibly be in play at number four for the Rockets, especially if they were gonna, my theory behind it was if the Rockets are going to sign James Harden in free agency, then if Harden's gonna be their primary ball handler, then Cam Whitmore makes a lot of sense there over Amin Thompson. Well, Houston has a chance to get James Harden in free agency. They already selected Amin Thompson and they, can, and they got Cam Whitmore at number 20. So even if whatever the concerns are, he falls at 20, Houston gets an A+. We're talking about a guy that's 6'7", 235, is athletic, can finish around the rim, can knock down open shots, and has an NBA-ready body. I think that this was just a great, great, great choice. I talked to someone that works for the Rockets, and I congratulated them on this pick, and he, he basically was like, this was the easiest pick to make. Sometimes the draft is easy when, when a player that you like just falls in your lap. And that's exactly what happened with the Rockets there. All right, at number 21, it is the Brooklyn Nets. This pick came from the Phoenix Suns. They selected Noah Clowney, 6'10", 210 from Alabama. The Nets need size, they need rebounding, they need interior defense. And he should be able to provide some depth behind Nick Claxton. Clowney, he's a guy that I think could eventually develop into a good outside shooter. And if he does develop into an outside shooter, he becomes that rare prospect that can anchor defense and space the floor. So I give the Nets an A here because he fills a need for size. And the Nets were back on the clock and they selected a local guy, not necessarily from Brooklyn, but a guy that's from the area, and Derek Whitehead. Now this is somewhat of a gamble because Whitehead has some foot injuries and issues that, I mean, you can't help but be concerned about. He's had two surgeries in the last, I would say, 10 months, but he's a guy that was considered a top 10 pick coming into the season. Every scout that I talked to around this time last summer, right before the start of the season, had Derek Whitehead as a guy that they believe was going to be one of the better freshmen and players in college basketball. The foot injury definitely had an impact on his athleticism, his burst, his speed, his vertical pop. He made a few plays here and there. But the thing I like about Dariq is even though he played a reduced role and was kind of basically put in a corner, he shot over 40% from three, like 42% from three. Now, if he puts it all together with, you know, the skills, the, the passing and the ball handling and athleticism that he showed prior to the injury, then you have, you know, maybe one of the more complete players in, in this class. So I'm going to give the Nets a B. But like I said, he just had a second surgery. He expects to be 100% around the time, uh, around the start of training camp. But I imagine the Nets are going to bring him along really, really slow. All right, at number 23, it is the Portland Trailblazers. And the Blazers are in this weird dilemma with this dang situation. Is he staying? Is he, is he leaving? Is he going to ask for a trade? Are they going to like trade him to a team that he wants to go to, which means they're probably not going to get the best pieces. But I'm just going to say, based off the right, off of right now, Dame is on the roster, and Portland is 
torn between do we go high upside guys or guys that want to come in and or that can come in and contribute right away. And this pick with Chris Murray tells me that the Blazers are looking for someone that can come in and contribute right away. Murray will provide depth in the front court. I think he's going to be a solid role player. If he's 75% of his twin brother Keegan as a rookie, then that is a win for Portland. And he gives Blazers a guy that is NBA ready, may not have the crazy high upside, but he should be able to knock down open shots, defend multiple positions. And if Portland is all in on maximizing Dame's last few years, Murray is a guy that you're going to get valuable production out of him while he's on a rookie contract while he's actually pretty close to his prime so i like that pick there all right at number 24 it was the sacramento kings trading their pick to the dallas mavericks dallas selected olivier maxwantz prosper very cool guy i got an interview with him on my podcast from last week if you're a mavs fan or you just want to hear a great interview check it out i'm not saying it's great because i did the interview i'm saying it great because omax it's just one of the more well-spoken and likable prospects that I've ever met. And just check out the interview. Just scroll down and check it out. I think you'll like the interview. And I like this pick. I'm giving the Mavs an A because Dallas entered the offseason needing help as far as like an athletic wing defender. And they needed some help in the front court. They addressed their front court issues, in my opinion, and the shot blocking and the rebounding with Derek Lively. And then I feel like they addressed their need for an athletic wing defender defender and prosper now prosper shot 31 percent from three this past season so you're looking like well i mean the math need a floor spacer but he has shot the ball very well in this pre-draft process the pacers have a it was a workout with the pacers i should say they have this drill called ring the bell and i think you have to make 80 percent of your threes in order to ring the bell and he was one of the few prospects if not the only prospect that i heard the only one to my knowledge, I should say, that was able to ring the bell. He made 80% of his threes out of 25 shots. And so, and I've heard from other teams that in other workouts, he shot the ball really well. So he could be the three and D wing that the Mavericks need since they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith and the Kyrie trade. So I'm giving Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks an A for selecting Olivier Maxence Prosper, Mr. Omax. All right, when we return, we'll wrap up the last five picks. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. It is the Detroit Pistons on the clock, and this pick came from the Memphis Grizzlies and the Boston Celtics. And Detroit selected Marcus Sasser, a guy that I had in the first round, like the majority of the season. Then he kind of fell out of the first round. I was actually a little shocked to see him go number 25, but he's back where I thought he should have been at the start of the year. And he is going to give the Pistons some, some much-needed shooting in the backcourt. And I'm giving this a C. Now, Sasser played for Kelvin Sampson, so you know he's tough. You know that he can defend. You know he's been coached hard. I think Detroit is a blue-collar, tough city, so I think they'll like him. Um, but I feel like they could have got him early in the second round if they wanted him but I'm going to give the Pistons a C here like I said I feel like they could have got him later on but he does address the need for shooting all right at 26 it is the Indiana Pacers and they selected Ben Shepard now I I should have known to put Ben Shepard in the first round I didn't trust my gut which I've been saying all pre-draft process I'm I'm trusting my gut all the way this year I didn't fully trust it with Ben Shepard after the way he played at the NBA Combine, 
I had heard that he was going to be a first-round pick. I thought to put him in the first round, but then I thought oh, he's going to go early, early second, and he went first round. And I just thought it was very interesting that there are, and we'll, I'll get to a couple of them later on, but there were like multiple guys in this draft that were like past that age where people are considered old that went in the first round, with one being... Jaime Jaquez, Ben Shepard being the other, Marcus Sasser, and then there's um, Kobe Brown coming up. But Ben Shepard is a guy that can probably come in and, and, and find a spot in the Pacers rotation. Shot 41% from three this year. Free throw percentage is a little bit concerning, but he is a guy that can defend. He was known as a defender earlier in his career, so I, think, I thought this was a, you know, a pretty good pick. I'm going to give the Pacers a C. Because I don't know if he's going to be able to help them right away. He might be able to, but I don't know. Depending on if the Pacers make some moves. Because you have Matherin, you have Duarte, um, somebody else I'm, I'm forgetting. But we'll see. I'm, I'm going to give it a C. All right, number 27. It is the Charlotte Hornets. And I'm giving the Hornets an A. Because they got the player that a lot of people thought was going to be the best freshman in the nation coming into the season and that is Nick Smith Jr. and unfortunately for Nick he just had a up and down and you can almost say mostly down freshman season with Arkansas um, just was in and out of the lineup with a knee injury it was tough for him to maintain a rhythm he played some games missed games play missed games Never really got the full extent of his injury, but he just did not look like the same player. I had a chance to talk to Nick very briefly at, at the draft. And I mean, if you saw the draft, you saw it was just an emotional night for him. I don't know if the emotions were due to him like being drafted or the fact that he fell all the way to number 27, knowing that if he would have played it safe, if he would have just played it safe, I think he would have went higher than 27. So his stock plummeted far. I just, there's no way I just saw him falling as far as 27. So I think he has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's a little thin at 185, but he's a legit 6'5". I stood by him. I mean, I'm not tall, but I stood by him. He has good size. And I think with the addition of Nick Smith Jr. and Brandon Miller, two guys that played together on the AAU circuit, and with LaMelo Ball, Charlotte has... I mean, they have some flexibility to put together some big lineups. And I think Nick is going to be better. Um, I think he's going to be a lot better once he's healthy. I think you're going to see the, the bounce and the step, the hop, and, and his ability to get to the spots. His floater was his bread and butter prior to college, and he just wasn't able to knock down floaters. I think Charlotte has good spacing now, which will also help him, something that he didn't have at Arkansas. Brandon Miller's a good shooter. LaMelo Ball's a good shooter. And so I think this was a, a great pick for the Hornets, a value pick. You got a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be a top 10 pick. You get him at number 27 and you get him healthy. So I'm giving the Charlotte Hornets an A. All right, at number 28, the Utah Jazz. I'm giving the Jazz an A because Bryce Sensenball was a guy that I thought could be in the lottery. Then like the day before the draft, I heard he's going to fall to the second round. And I heard there may be some concerns about his knee. He had some prior knee injuries before college. But... Sensible is physical. He can create his own shot. He can get a bucket, shot over 40% from three. And he is a guy that can score, come in, knock down shots, and provide instant offense. The concern and the reason why he fell this far 
is his defense. He is widely known as a poor defender, a guy that doesn't bring forth a lot of effort on the defensive end. And then there were some concerns, like I mentioned, about his knee. But I'm giving the Jazz an A because if he pans out, he will be instant offense. Along with Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks, he will be instant offense there. All right, at number 29, this was a shock to me. And it's the Denver Nuggets, the NBA champion Denver Nuggets, selecting Julian Strother from Gonzaga. I thought Julian was going to be second round pick. I saw him being selected in the 30s, maybe early 40s, but he went 29. I get it. 6'7", 210, good shooter, made over 40% of his threes, sneaky, good cutter, pretty good rebounder for a wing. So all of that, you know, you think that that's very valuable for a team like the Nuggets. But he's not a good defender, and I think he's going to have to defend to earn minutes. Depends, depending on what happens with Bruce Brown, he may be able to sneak in their rotation as a rookie. But I'm going to give this a C. Again, in theory, I get why they selected him this high. But I do have concerns about his defense, so I'm going to give it a C. All right, and wrapping up, this was probably one of the bigger surprises in the first round. The Los Angeles Clippers selecting Kobe Brown, 6'7", 250. I'm actually going to give this an A. And the reason I'm giving this an A is because Brown shot over 45% from three. He is ready to play now. I think with the situation with the luxury tax and the fact that the Clippers are, I mean, they've been in win-now mode since Kawhi and Paul George decided to, to partner up. But I think with their injuries and, and the inability to have those guys on the floor, it made sense for the Clippers to select a guy that can come in and come in and contribute and play right away as opposed to more of a long-term upside pick. Now, Brown who actually turned 24 during the season, so he's a little bit older than, than his draft peers, but I think he, he can plug and play. Very unique, unique player, like I said, 6'7", 250. He can create mismatches. You put a smaller guy on him, he can get to his spots and play a little bully ball, but he can knock down open shots, shot 45% from three. And so I think that he'll be able to come in and provide some depth, knock down open shots. And the Clippers just chose to go with immediate impact as opposed to a long-term project. So totally get it there, I'm giving him an A. Well, that wraps up part two of this two-part series. I'm giving out my personal draft grades, like, Share, subscribe, comment, tell me you think I'm crazy, tell me you like my draft grades. It's all good, it's all fun, whether it's criticism or love, I accept it all. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow signing out, and I am 